Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. Well, a few weeks ago, I was reading through the scripture passages in the Gospels of the Holy Week story. And it starts with what we celebrated last week on Palm Sunday. It started with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And, and that was fun last week if you were here. We all had palm branches and we whipped our palms back and forth, you know. <laughs> and and it, was, it, was, it was awesome, a good time celebrating that moment, re-entering and remembering that part of the story. And as the week progresses, you know, we find ourselves on Thursday And uh, Thursday's the day, it's Maundy Thursday, it's the day that we recognize the Last Supper, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, giving them a new commandment, uh, love one another as I've loved you. And it's also that moment where Jesus pulls away and he goes to Gethsemane to pray and he takes with him Peter, James, and John. And we know there that's where he's arrested in the middle of the night and he's thrown into this illegal trial it took place in a way that it was, shouldn't have taken place. And he's found guilty, and he's scourged, he's beaten, he's humiliated, he's mocked, and he's crucified, he died, and buried. And that's what we celebrate on Good Friday, which if you were at the Good Friday service that we had with Fellowship Bible Church, wasn't that a special time together with our brothers and sisters in Christ over there? It was awesome. And then, of course, Holy Saturday is very kind of solemn and very kind of quiet attitude. But here we are today on Easter Sunday. And we get to celebrate and we get to rejoice that Jesus isn't in the grave, but he's risen. Amen? Amen. And so as I'm reading through all these accounts and I'm in John and I start in, the, in, in John chapter 12 because that's where Jesus' triumphant entry is. I notice that the beginning of that chapter doesn't begin with that part of the story. It doesn't begin with Jesus' triumphant entry. It's actually a transitional piece. It's kind of the end of the story in the previous chapter. And and what it is, it's it's the end of this story where Jesus does his last miracle before he goes into Jerusalem, before he goes and enters into Holy Week and everything that I just explained. And as I'm reading this story, I go back and I look in John chapter 11, and I'm really prompted by the Holy Spirit, that this story is for us today. You might think, what in the world? Like, it's Resurrection Sunday. Is J.D., this pastor, he's not going to preach about the resurrection. Hang on. This absolutely is about resurrection. So let's read here in John chapter 11, verse 17. And it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany, this is this town outside of Jerusalem. It was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And that's where they were. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. So you've got this family unit here. You've got Lazarus and Martha and Mary, brothers and sisters. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him. So she goes and meets him on the edge of town. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. 
And Jesus said to her, Oh, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So here's Jesus about a week before he sacrifices himself on the cross. And he's in some other town doing ministry. And a message gets sent to him about his friend Lazarus, who's very sick, who's very ill. The thing is, if we go and read through this whole story, we see Jesus doesn't look at this as an emergency. He just says, all right, well, this will be all right. And, and, and Jesus, he shows up on the scene, and, and I want to just say this also. I liked the fact that the Son of God had friends. That Mary and Martha and Lazarus were his friends, whom he loved very much, and I liked that. And so here he gets this message about his dear friend Lazarus, who's very sick. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. He, he's at the edge of Bethany, but it's too late. Lazarus has already died. They've wrapped him in grave clothes. They've buried him. They've had the funeral. And Martha sees that he's coming, and she doesn't wait for Jesus to come to her. She goes to meet Jesus. She goes out to meet him, and she's upset, and she says... If you had been here, my brother would still be alive. If you'd come sooner. She and Jesus, they interact for a moment. And Jesus sends her back to the house to get her sister. And Martha says to Mary, hey, Jesus is asking about you. He's asking for you. So so Mary goes out to meet Jesus with all the other family and friends that are there in the house with her. They think that she's going to the gravesite. But the master called for her, so she's going out to meet Jesus. So everybody just follows along. And when she meets Jesus, she lays into him. She says the same thing that Martha did. Jesus, I thought, you, I thought we were friends. I thought we loved each other. If you had been here, my brother would still be alive. And then all the other family and friends, they start, they start talking smack. They, they start talking trash. And they're like, yeah, I thought, this Je- I thought Jesus loved these people. I thought they were friends. We know that, that Jesus has healed blind people before. Surely if he had been here, he would have healed Lazarus, and Lazarus wouldn't be dead. So Jesus sees everyone's upset. His dear friend Lazarus has passed. His dear friends Mary and Martha are grieving, and all of their clan. And now he becomes upset. And he says, take me to the grave. So they take Jesus to the grave. And in this case, it wasn't like how we bury people in the ground. This was a small cave. And they wrapped him in grave clothes. They mummified him. They put him in this cave, and then they covered the entrance of the cave with either a big giant rock or stone or a, a several, I don't know. And, and so Lazarus has been dead and gone now for a while. Martha's upset. Mary's a train wreck. All the family and friends, they're in grieving and mourning too. And this is where we read the shortest verse in the entire Bible. John records these two words. Jesus wept. 
Jesus becomes visibly emotional. Jesus is deeply moved. This is the Son of God. I think sometimes we, we um, the pendulum can swing in our theology sometimes about how, you know, like uh, loving and serving God is, is not an emotional thing. It's, it's just all of like, you know, just over here. But uh, there, our emotions are tied to loving and serving God. Our emotions are tied to our relationship with God. God's emotions are tied to loving and serving us. He, Jesus here, he's, he's serving this family. He's loving this family. We see him, he's weeping. And then Jesus says something kind of crazy. He says, take away the stone. What? What in the world? Take away the stone? Why in the world would Jesus say this? What does he want to do here? What is he taking away the stone? And maybe they thought, well, Jesus is just, he's weeping. He's so emotional. He's having this, his own like emotional meltdown and breakdown here. And he's in grieving and mourning and he wants to just get some closure. He needs to see Lazarus' body for himself. And so Martha starts to reason with him. And he, he, she's like, Jesus, you don't want to go in there. It's been four days. Like the, the process of death has set in. It's not going to be a pretty sight in there. Just even the sheer smell alone is going to knock you off your feet. You don't want to go in there, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, I do. Take away the stone. So they did it. And then they, they did that, and Jesus looks up to the heaven. He prays. And then he commands loudly. Lazarus, come out of the grave. And just the one time he speaks that, here comes this mummified guy waddling to the edge of the cave. And Jesus says, unwrap him, take his grave clothes off, loose him, and let him go. (laughs) Come on, let's clap. God, resurrection power, amazing, amazing, absolutely amazing. What an incredible demonstration of the love of God. What an incredible demonstration of the power and the presence of God. Amazing. But let's rewind for a moment. Let's go back to Martha and Jesus's interaction. Martha runs out to town, out the edge of town, and she says to Jesus, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus looks at her and he says, I I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. See, the resurrection is not just a day. It's not just a day we put on the calendar. It's not just an event. It's not just a day of the year that we take and we set aside to celebrate and rejoice. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection has a name. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And when I think about that, and I read this story, and I think about him saying that to Martha, I think about what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, that you might live your life to the absolute fullest, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what does this all mean for us today? What does this mean that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? What does it mean that he has come so that we could have life and have it more abundantly? 
It means that the eternal life that Jesus offers isn't only about what happens to us after we die on this earth, but it's also about what happens while we're living here on this earth. Jesus' resurrection isn't about the, just the last day. It's about every day. There's a lot of things in our life that start off with life. They're alive. Maybe it's your marriage, your relationship with your kids or with a special friendship. It could be a dream in your heart, your physical health even. It could be your faith. And sometimes those things in our lives, they become unhealthy. Sometimes they get sick. Sometimes they even die. And we think to ourselves, this thing's never going to live again. And we weep and we mourn. This thing's never going to breathe again. And we wrap it in grave clothes and we bury it. You need to know that when Jesus walks into the room, sickness starts to vanish. And every hopeless situation ceases to exist. When Jesus walks into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all he does. You might think, well, the resurrection is about when I die and I go to heaven. That's what the resurrection is about. But Jesus, in this account here, he's showing us something much greater. He's saying the resurrection is so much more than that. There's implications for the resurrection today in your life right now. Not just when you pass from this part of eternity to the next part. The resurrection has implications for your life today. And not only does Jesus' resurrection have the power to affect your destination after this life, it has the power to affect your destiny while in this life. Jesus' resurrection is not just about resurrecting you on the last day. It's about resurrecting every dead thing that you're experiencing in your life today. There's a lot of us in this room that we're clapping right now. We're hooting and hollering because we are testimonies of the resurrection power of Jesus. And because Jesus' resurrection power is available to us today, that's how we have that testimony. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So the question is now, how are you going to respond to Jesus? How am I going to respond to Jesus? Maybe you like Martha. And you run out to meet Jesus. She's in grief. She's probably weeping. And she just goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. And she's taking her pain and she's taking her grief and her questions and her frustrations to the Lord. She's extroverted about her pain. But she says this, Jesus, (laughs) even though Lazarus is dead, I know that God will give you anything that you ask. So we see, see there, still, her faith is intact. Her confidence in the Lord is intact. She's got pain and grief and frustration, but she's brought it all to Jesus. That's good. And, and Jesus looks at her, and Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Everyone who believes in me shall never die. In other words, there is a There is a power, there is a life that is transcendent and more powerful than the shadow of death. That's good news. That's great news. Maybe your response is like Martha, but maybe your response is like Mary. Martha ran out to Jesus, but Mary stayed in the house. She didn't run out to meet Jesus. She stayed in the place where death 
had devastated her. She stayed in the place where the, the thing that she loved and valued so much, her brother, had, had now had death and it's been taken from her. She stayed in the place where all of her family and friends were, were there to console her, but they really couldn't do anything to fix the situation. And maybe you feel more like Mary. Maybe you feel like you're discouraged, you're devastated. You feel like maybe you haven't even had it on the inside of you to run to Jesus. Maybe you say, well, I used to believe. I used to have faith. But I've been met with some incredibly difficult things. And I haven't found the ability to overcome. As a matter of fact, those things have overcome me. While Mary didn't run to meet Jesus, Jesus had a message for her that he sent back with Martha. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 11, 28. He said, the master is here. This is what she said. The master is here and he's calling for you. The master is here and he's calling for you. Mary didn't run out to Jesus. But Jesus still called for her. He still cared for her. He didn't write her off. While Mary's first response was to ignore Jesus, Jesus didn't ignore her. Jesus didn't reject her because of her pain, because of her devastation, because of her depression. Jesus didn't reject her because of her questions, because of her, her unbelief and just like her, her disappointment that she had in, in, in their friendship. Jesus didn't want, Jesus won't even reject you if you walk away from him like the prodigal son did to his father in Luke 15. Jesus doesn't reject you. Maybe you respond like Martha. Maybe you respond like Mary. But the good news is that no matter what your response is, Jesus has a response for you. And his response is that no matter how you're dealing with the pain, no matter what you're going through, with something dying in your life, Jesus' response is, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life, and I'm calling for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And it was in that moment when Jesus said, take me to the grave. It was in that moment when Jesus said, take away the stone. And it was in that moment when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of the grave. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. It was in that moment. Listen, death can take a variety of shapes and sizes. It can come in many different forms. Sometimes death comes to our dreams, the dreams of our lives. We think that our lives are going to be this one way. But whether it's the circumstances of life outside of our control, or maybe it's even missteps that we've taken along the way, we are not living our best life. And death has come to us. Death tries to take hold of every marriage at some point. You think, man, this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, that we're going to love each other. We're going to raise a family together for the rest of our life. And then something happens. And the certificate of divorce comes, and it might as well just be a certificate of death. Because that's the way it feels. You feel like a failure. You feel like, how can I ever heal over this? How can I ever get over this? I'll always be second best. And maybe you're in a situation where you're not even in divorce situation just yet, but you still feel like your marriage is dead. Death has come to you. Death can come in the form of losing a job, financial 
crisis of some kind, and you think, oh my gosh, everything I've ever worked for for my entire life is just gone. It's absolutely gone. How, how can I ever get back to where I ever was? Death has come to you. Death can come to your relationships with your family and friends. Death can come to your physical and mental and spiritual health. It can come in a number of ways. And you might look at parts of your life and you would say, it's, just, it's been dead for a while now. It's been dead for days. It's been dead for years. It's been dead for decades. But hear what Jesus says. It's not dead. It's only sleeping. It's not dead. It's only sleeping. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. The resurrection power that Jesus demonstrated a week before he went to the cross, that power is available. That's the resurrection power that Jesus demonstrated a week later while after he had died on the cross on that very first Easter. And that's the resurrection power that's available today that's still bringing dead things to life 2,000 Easter's later. The, the, the great English philosopher and writer, C.S. Lewis, he said this about Easter. He said, it's death working backwards. It's death working backwards. Resurrection is not about the absence of death. That's not what it's about. Resurrection just means that, that death is a starting point, and Jesus is now working it backwards. We, we, we tend to, to measure death is something, or we, we tend to measure failures like, well, something has died in my life, and now how long has it been since it's been dead? It's been one year since I've prayed. It's been two years since I talked to my family. It's been three years since I've been financially stable. And we think, the more that time passes, the colder that thing gets. But Jesus doesn't see dead things the way that we see them. Jesus doesn't count up one, two, three. Jesus sees something dead, and he's like, that's an imminent countdown. Three, two, one. Come out of the grave. My prayer for you today is this. It's what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said this, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great this power is to help those who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Listen, Jesus doesn't just want you to be an observer of the resurrection. He wants you to be a participant in the resurrection. You might think, well, I don't have the power to change my life. I can't get my act together. You think, well, I just, I just don't have enough. You don't have to have enough. Jesus is enough. You're not the resurrection. The resurrection has a name, and its name is Jesus. Yes. He's the resurrection. He's the life. He's the master that's calling for you, and he's saying, come out of the grave. So let's respond to him today. Let's respond to him today. Let's lean in in this moment to the, what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts right now. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer. You're a follower of Christ already. But you just feel 
like death has taken its toll on you. You feel beaten. You feel bruised. Like you're just hanging on by a thread. You're still hanging on. I want to pray with you today that the resurrection life would not just be something that's alive in you about when you die, but it's an alive in you about how you live. If that's you today, you're a believer, but you just feel like hopelessness and just, just come to you, that death has come to you. I want to pray with you today. Would you just raise your hand? If that's you, yes, I see that hand, I see that hand. Well, I'm glad we have three people that are honest. There we go. Who else? You say, yeah, I, I, need, I need prayer. I still believe. I still believe. I feel like death is trying to take me over. I feel like Martha. I feel like Mary, but I still believe. All right, you can put your hand down. Yeah. We're going to pray. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now that if you can do it for Lazarus, you can do it for my brothers and sisters that are sitting here today. God, they're here today and they're saying that I believe. So I ask you to give them a word that they can hang on to, bring healing to their hearts, bring healing to their minds, bring healing to their bodies. We come out of agreement with anything, God, that's not your truth. And we come into agreement with every reality of heaven right now in the name of Jesus. And we speak to those things that are dead and we say, Come out of the grave right now by the power of the name of Jesus. And I ask you to give every single one of us here, God, a heaven-sized dose of hope. A heaven-sized dope of joy. A heaven-sized dose, Lord God, of love. Of peace, Lord God. I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus to pour out abundant blessing, abundant provision, abundant wisdom on every single one of us. And... Give us the courage to walk in obedience to how it is that you tell us to live and do and act. Holy Spirit, you're our guide. We want to follow you. And we pray this in the power in the name of Jesus who makes it possible for us to approach you boldly, Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're a prodigal. At one time, you had a relationship with the Lord. But at some point, you've walked away. Maybe it wasn't even intentionally, but it just kind of happened. And if you examine your life, you would say, yeah, my relationship with God is not really active. Maybe you're here today and you've never, not once, made the decision to follow Jesus, really. Maybe you believe in the existence of God. But you don't have a, a, a relationship, an active relationship with the living God who created you, who knows you by name, who has a good plan for your life. Wherever you are on that spectrum, I want to invite you today to take a step closer to Jesus. Just move towards him. We have this incredible promise in the scripture that says when we come close to God, he comes close to us. And we see that in the example that Martha, she ran out to meet Jesus. She didn't wait. She saw that he was coming, and she ran out to meet him. And Jesus didn't reject her. He drew close. And so what Jesus said to Martha 
is the same thing what he's saying to you today. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. And then he poses this question. He says, who, who believe, whoever believes in me shall never die. And he says, do you believe this? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. Do I believe this? Do you believe today can be a new day? Do you believe that today can be a new beginning? Jesus says it can, and he's standing at the graveside of every dead thing in your life, ready to say, come out of the grave. He's calling you by name. And just like Lazarus came out of the grave, just like Jesus came out of the grave, today you can come out of your grave into a new and glorious day. Whatever your situation is, Jesus is inviting you today to believe. So whether it's either you're walking back to God because you're a prodigal and you walked away and you're now you're going to walk back, this is this, this decision that you're making today to say, yes, I, I believe again. Or maybe this is the first time that you're saying, yes, I believe. You're taking for the very first time that first step of saying, yes, I believe. I want to pray with you today. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. And I just ask you to just raise your hand. Just say, yeah, that's me. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Hands going up all around the room. Say it, I believe today. Anybody else? Yeah? Let's pray. Let's pray together. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to repeat it after me. This is not about like some like special, you know, order of words that are strung together that mean something. This is about you in your heart taking the meaning in your heart and putting it behind these words to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe. So I'm going to just invite everyone, all of us even who are believers, to repeat this after me as just a reaffirmation of our belief in Jesus. Would you just say this? Say, Heavenly Father... Thank you for calling my name. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay for my sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead. I repent of doing life my way. And I surrender all I am to you. Jesus, be in charge of every area of my life. From this day forward, I belong to you. From this day forward, I am alive. From this day forward, I am a saint. And I want the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to come live inside of me. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change my life forever. Use me to make a difference with my life. Amen? Amen. Let's just rejoice with everyone that made that decision today. Let's just stand up. Let's stand up together and rejoice. Come on. Come on. Let's give God glory. God. God, you're, you're amazing. We thank you. We thank you. Resurrection power is available to us today and every single day. Welcome to the family of God, everybody. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, 
we have a gift that we want to give to you. In just a moment, we're going to close the service in a song. And during that time, or after we're done, I want to invite you to come down here and meet one of my friends on the prayer team that are standing right over here on this side wall. And we've got a, a book called What's Next? And we want to give that to you if you just prayed that prayer with us. And all you've got to do is just walk over there and say, hey, can I have the book? And they're going to give you a book and they're going to just rejoice with you about the decision that you've made. It's awesome. And so there's, there's a lot of different things now that believers get to participate in. And I just want to highlight two of those things. The first one is water baptism. You know, if we read in the New Testament, uh, when, when people made the decision to become disciples of Jesus, the very first thing that the believers would say to them is, let's go to the water. Let's go to the water. And water baptism simply is an outward expression of the inward divine grace that's present now on the inside of you. And so we've got this wonderful opportunity next Sunday at the end of the service for you to be water baptized. If you are, have been a believer for five seconds, you need to be water baptized. You don't need to like jump through any more hoops. You just need to be water baptized. So come get water baptized. I'm actually, uh, if you've been a believer for decades and you've never been water baptized, you might be embarrassed about that. That's silly. Don't be embarrassed. Use this as an opportunity now to be water baptized. So whether it's been five seconds or five decades, if you and your family want to get baptized together, if dads, you want to baptize your children, we can accommodate all of that. But let's walk in obedience and follow Jesus's example. And, and, and so right now I give you permission to get your phone out and go to seedschurchtn.com slash baptism and go ahead and just sign up right now while you got the momentum in your heart. And if you forget to do it, or if you know somebody else that needs to do it and you forget to sign up, it's okay. Just come anyway. Just come anyway. We just want to be in contact with you this week so that we can help you prepare the very best way that you can for baptism next week at the end of the service. Now, the other thing that believers get to participate in is the Lord's Supper. And then you've got right, you've got right there in your cup holder these prepackaged elements right here. And the Lord's Supper is this meal that Jesus gave to us. It's this gift that he gave to us to remember who he is and what he has accomplished and what's available to us because of who he is. And so there's a very thin layer of plastic there on the very top. If you peel that back, you can get to the bread. I hesitate to call it that, but it's what we'll call it today, bread. And this represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you for the healing of your body, for the healing of your soul. And if you peel back this other piece of foil, you get to the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus, the cup of your salvation, the, the Jesus' blood poured out for you for all sins, for all of humanity. And so you don't have to have been a believer for any amount of time. You don't have to have gone through a class to do this. Just if you're a believer in Jesus, we get to participate in this meal together to remember who Jesus is, what he did, and what's available to us. And so let's just do this right now. We're going to recite our common creed as we get ready to go in and, and do this supper. So let's just read this together. It's going to be up here on the screen. 
Everybody read with me out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence, He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we have a covenant with You, a covenant that was made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus. Because Jesus' body was broken for us and His blood was shed on our behalf, we acknowledge, God, that He bore all sin, all sickness, all disease, sorrow, grief, fear, torment, lack, strife, all of it. He bore it for us. And through His substitutionary sacrifice we have complete redemption and total deliverance from the works of Satan as new creations in Christ we realize that our freedom has been bought and paid for we are forgiven we are redeemed and we give thanks for it all in Jesus name amen Amen. you can take of the elements thanks for listening stay connected with us at seedschurchtn.com and on social media Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.